everybody. Welcome back right, to another episode. I brought back the original cheap. audio. Digital Twin Fan Club is back. Using the original Neil Thompson audio. Going to get some guests today. Got some exciting things to talk about. So today, the, the Digital Twin Fan Club podcast, um, we're going to talk about our weeks, uh, as always. Uh, but we're also going to talk to Dan Ruster about the latest digital twin standard, which would be really interesting. Uh, we might get a visit from Neil Thompson, who will just come in and break things like he does, which is, you know, his is, like superpower. Is Dan coming? Yeah. Is he in the, is he in the ether? Not worrying about the production. Uh, he's made me a promise. He's going he's gonna to stick to it. <laughs> So right. just a heads up, Dan might not turn up. He might do what? Hey, why, 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 why be so, why be so negative? Why be so negative? Because the crowd might be massively excited to hear from Dan rather than just me and you. And yeah. then Dan's busy. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's all cross our fingers. Okay, my fingers are crossed. Um, let's cross our fingers. So let's rock and roll. Digital twins. What's what? up? What's new? Um. Well, there was an event in Dubai, wasn't there? There sure was. Something lots of, lots of twinny things. Um, I think the, the the new ISO was mentioned a lot by was some it? people saying that. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I saw a lot of people saying, "Yeah, this ISO is really good." Not sure whether they've read it or or kind of. Well, we, we've it. got Dan coming in. As I said, you should never have doubted him. He was expecting an Outlook invite from us, and he didn't get one. Um, that's because this is now a regular recording slot, and we will just be here at this time every week. So yeah, that was that. That's the safety events one. I need to have a chat with uh, Hazefa, see how he's doing, see how he's getting on, because I know is that he's going to London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's going to have a chat nice, to, with nice. him about that. Um, nice. I think. Yeah. It'd be good to see that come back. It did well. Good to see you on stage for twelve hours. <laughs> Yeah, I was run ragged at the end of that day. Um, it really showed yeah. that there's a lot of interest. I was, I've been talking to a lot of event people recently, and it's really sharpened my focus on how digital twins operate in the marketplace. That sounds really wanky. So I'll rephrase that. Um, how to sell them to people, you mean? Well, no. Well, no, as in... Uh, yeah, well, a bit of column A. and But column B is I was talking to somebody who runs events... And they get 200 people at their events, but they only get senior leaders. Like they literally only get directors and above. So the audience is properly curated. So it's not massive. So they get smaller, smaller rooms, less people. But the people that are in the room are decision makers. And that kind of changes the, the topic because I was saying, you know, at a lot of the events I speak at, um, it's, it's awesome because they have such a broad audience like Digital Construction Week. Um, because you get this, you know, broad remit and you get policy questions like how should we implement Digital Twin to enable the NHS to optimize its health outcomes next to should I learn Amazon Web Services or should I learn Azure? Um, because you yeah. have such a broad yeah. range of people and, you know, I'm, I can answer those questions to a certain degree. I'm not, you know, not the complete expert, but, you know, I know enough to get myself in trouble, which is where I like to be. Um, it's where, the tire kickers versus decision makers, isn't it? In a lot of mm, ways, yeah. Um, and so, I think it's it, so. We've we've both 
now have event hats, which I think is quite weird. And you you don't realize how complex the environment is when it comes to looking at things like, well, is it a trade show? Is it a conference? Is it educational? Who's your audience? Who's mm. your target? How, how much is a ticket? What's the venue going to be like? How are you going to create the agenda? Like, it's just such a hard thing. I'd rather build something than like organize events these days because it's just herding cats. Like, you need to be an official cat herder. You do. Um, you do. Uh, but it's really interesting that because it kind of sh- you get a better understanding of the sector, I think, because it's like people that don't get a chance to work in a collaborative project team. You know, that's what BIM and information management and digital has given me over the years and you, you know, is the opportunity to work in project teams where it's it's engineers, it's planners, it's designers, it's architects, it's also the community. It's like really, really diverse. And there are loads of people that just sit in their lane and they just, you know, bash out a drawing and they don't really ever get to speak to people. They just just keeps getting these comments back to go change this. And like, why? Oh, this. Are you going to get excited, Henry? I refuse we to. We have a guest. We have a guest. I'm going to finish my point. He's currently, he's, he's currently backstage. You, you can let him in uh, while I finish my point, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, we've had this diverse opportunity and you get that in events and it's really broad opportunity to meet loads of people. And now I'm going to do the best segue you've ever heard, which is a bit like standards <laughs> because in the way that events are uh, have very diverse people and you need to bring in their views and you need to accommodate them etc etc the same could be said of standards which now that you've kind of given the game away jonathan i'd like to welcome to the stage the virtual stage dan dan rossiter hello hello how the devil are we both you all right we are good i'm saying that for me i don't know about you jonathan yeah medium (laughs) okay i shouldn't have said that medium rare a few of these i think medium is probably pretty good for you yeah, yeah. No, this is this is Dan. This is you need to lie down now and get on. Henry and I are going to therapy you. I think I think that's the plan today, aren't we? I think this yeah. visual metaphor's just got really weird. Come up onto yeah, the stage the now. Lie down. We have now a couch. couch. We have a virtual couch. Welcome, welcome. This is, I'm going to put my hi, put my um, hypnotism voice on. Hi, Dan. It's very kind. So, so is it one of those uh, psychology couches? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. There's a spotlight on it. You can't see anybody else except us. Nobody is there. It's just this lovely red felt um, chaise long that is covered in lovely pillows of your choice. There, silken. There, some of the green, some are red, and there's you know a throw if you need one. You get yourself all comfy. Get yourself in. And um, let's talk standards. I, I, I hear there's a new digital twin standard doing the rounds because um, Jonathan was saying uh, my partner in crime, Hazefa, uh, and the Dubai event, it was coming up a lot, uh, the new ISO digital twin standard. So, yeah, what's happened? Just give us a, a brief update. Uh, yeah, um, I can do. So, you know, we, we've published lots of standards, as you can expect, um, and fairly recently, um ISO 30173 was published um which is all about digital twin concepts and terminology now before we dive into it too much there are a couple of caveats I'll huck on there the first is it's done by the IoT kind of an IT community so it's not meant to be for a specific sector at all so okay. it it does touch very high level on some a bit of healthcare Better construction, better transport, better something, but you know it's intentionally not 
a deep dive in any of those spaces but it's trying to sit there and go you know what we think this is what or, or countries have come together we've agreed this is what digital twin is and some of the key terminology do with that what you will um, but it's not attempting to take over the space in any of those spaces so we've talked before about um, some beautifully well-written standards like the manufacturing ones on digital twins two three two four seven yes jinx yeah, well done <laughs> um you know which you know john Iyer and others really like and actually and i i think they're very good so in theory, to be clear that's above it. john air right that you're talking about of high yes, value manufacturing sorry. catapult um just just to differentiate because some people call you john jonathan i'm never be one yeah, of those people I'm not, I'm not john from the catapult i'm not john on the catapult you are not i'm very different people i'm not on the catapult. both both northern but that's well, not but very northern. Um, yeah. the, the fan club is quite northern, to be fair. Yeah, it's got a good. Uh, well, we're actually international. We've got Oz, New Zealand, Canada soon. Uh, Americans. Et mm, I don't know, but we'll need to add them. Yes, Sorry, yeah. we took you uh, anyway. So two, right. three, two, four, right. seven, right. like that. Carry on uh, well, as you were. Well, I, I'm, I'm now wondering: Am I the only Celt? Oh, oh, you might be the only Welsh person. Well, I assumed I was the only Welsh person. I was, I was expanding no, a bit broader. Ian Gordon. That's oh, yeah. that's Celtic, right? Like Scottish. <laughs> He's got the Scottish. The Scottish blood is strong he, in him. Are you visually true. stereotyping? Or is he, he might be a full. He might have been two generations London. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, need to, we need to find this out anyway. So, but, but, but in essence, <laughs> anyway. high-level standard um, that covers a, a lot of bits in it, and I've I've been in involved with this one slightly more than with others and it's it's a very naughty thing and you know this will start off well is that i'm not meant to be involved with standards generally um as a bsi staffer it gets quite all it's it's a very unusual thing because Mm. we're meant to oversee the stuff and i have to get special permission to to sit on things to have an opinion mostly because i'm awkward and want to sit there yeah but that's that was i mean i remember when you joined bsi the British Standards Institution. That was really your that your selling point was that you could do both sides of it, and I think that remains your selling point. You know, you are out there engaging with industry, and you know what you're talking about. Well, well that's very kind of you. I'd agree with the engage with the industry. Whether I know what I'm talking about, we'll let history decide that. Um, <laughs> Fair play. But, <laughs> but yeah, but it, it's 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 been a struggle because obviously how nascent these things are and i know we, we've we've talked about this before in terms of you know the joys of definitions and mm. different angles people take on stuff um and parts of it i won't say upset me uh, parts of it uh didn't go the way i wanted but isn't that how consensus works Point. is that you know you, you pull the views of people and the, the bsi definition is always quite interesting which is a lack of uh, sustained. Um, I'm trying to the word that goes after sustained. Um, we'll go for lack of sustained dispute for now, but there's lack probably a different s- word for it. Okay, so effectively, consensus is effectively if if people are quiet, we we count that like good. Yes. Um, so yeah, if as long as you if you give up the fight, consensus has been achieved. Um, okay, yeah. Is one way. Effectively, I mean that's so true, not- right? <laughs> Everyone just does a big deep breath and goes, fine. fine. Okay. Yes. If you can live with it, that's not the same as agreeing to it. Um, So I think there's there's wiggle in there. 
and you know i think that's where with some of the bits come from but i've recently written it's not, it won't be out yet i've written a blog post on the the definition they use for digital twin um which which i actually think is pretty good um where is that coming out the, um very good question um it's going to be coming out on as i check my emails i think it's one of those ones that might be um bim today or pbc today or you know one of those sorts of industry press stuff cool yeah oh, environment industry um, press and you know we'll, we'll see what happens there but but generally okay. i like the bits in it i really don't like um and there are bits of it i do quite like and let's talk about the bits you don't like i was gonna say let's start with the bits you do like <laughs> Should we, can we do a bit you do like a bit you don't like and a bit you do like let's start someone's with someone's just paid someone else has just appeared backstage as well let's start with the uh well i think He's we should probably issue. let this uh let this other man in this is our sector, um, sorry, this is our zoo approach to podcasting um very much feels like a zoo right now uh giving people that I mean, opportunity is, is it to a revolving door if uh if, if if a guest comes in do i go out now how does no. it work no no especially as we were just about to ask you the important questions about the digital twin standard but yeah. this might be a good opportunity to introduce our latest attendee, the person who just come in a revolving door, but Dan wasn't caught in the revolving door. He was standing in the lobby with us. Uh, no, you're on stage, aren't you? Yes. Oh, God, we've added. So we've got a stage. I'm on, we've, I'm got, stage long, we've, we've got a chaise long that you're on, and there's a revolving door here. This is uh, turning into a fever dream. Um that uh, is gonna gonna drive me crazy. I, mean, I, I think Neil. Do I say hello? Oh, there he is. Oh. oh, hello. He's there. Who's this? Hello. It's ES Webcam and Utility. You don't know who that is. It is. Um, I That's to his fix camera. that, I'd have to plug everything back in again. So as long as you can hear me, and I'm clear, I'm not crackly. You sound great. It's all good. You sound great. Beautiful. Neil Thompson, Beautiful everybody, show. the man, the myth, the legend has arrived you, you just joined us uh, uh as we're about to go through the new uh digital twin standard with dan and what he likes and doesn't like oh, how are you doing i should probably go and read it no no we've got dan for that oh cool cool <laughs> do we <laughs> dan looks looks askance at that uh still go still go get the standard yeah definitely so yeah this is like uh you know we've covered that it's a bit of a broad brush uh uh overarching standard so let's start with something you like dan what do you like about the standard what's the big thing you like i'll say the big thing i like is its definition for digital twin okay. and um i won't be able to remember it verbatim but it's along the lines of digital representation of target entities you that uses data connections to enable convergence at an appropriate rate of synchronization Okay. And you know, super super complex, but in essence, it's digital version of a thing you want to keep an eye on, mm. and you use various data bits to align the two of them at some sort of frequency. So the fact is, I like the fact it doesn't use real time, which is great, and that right. rate of synchronization means it could be you know hourly, weekly, monthly, whatever. Data connection is vague enough that it doesn't say it has to go one way or t'other. So. Yeah. Could it could it be physical informing digital or digital informing physical in that sort of way? And I like the target entity bit, which is, you know, we're not capturing the world, we're capturing the thing that's important to you or the thing that drives value. So I think for those reasons, I can get on board with it. And then it means things like the Met Office weather map meets 
my mental brain definition of what digital twin is, which I think ticks my life boxes. Awesome. Awesome. So should we, do you want to ask the next question, Jonathan? I know you do. I can see your eyes. Well, I was wondering uh, if you're going to react to that definition. So I saw some good, uh, yeah. good poker faces of Jonathan. Then. I, I, well, I mean, it's, it's, I had some the, the, the challenge is that's kind of what it is, though, isn't it? Like you could say it in 10 different words. And as you said, it's like that makes sense. As Conver long as it, yeah. As long as it gets rid of the confusion with an industry of is it a spinny thing, is it a model, is it a bloody BMS system? That's the the main driver. In all honesty, like doesn't necessarily mean everyone's going to listen to it. Yeah, fewer vendors will still be selling spinny things that are digital twins in the next ten years and just annoying everybody. But yeah, but that's that's start hard... somewhere. Well, yeah, start it, somewhere. it's to start somewhere, and I think that the thing that as as Neil keeps changing his background, um, the, th the thing I, I think people need to remember is that standards at the end of the day, except for things like the IT wiring regs, are voluntary. You know, they are yeah. packets of convenience that are meant to help people do things. Um, and ultimately, even if you read, and you know, we're going to have a long discussion about this, you look at the building regs, and if if you ask someone how many standards are cited in the building regs, you know, the answer is one. It's the fact that there are four hundred and seventy odd that are referenced in the non-obligatory guidance. So ah. it's interesting that way out of what's easier to do. And I remember hearing a fun anecdote from someone, which was, you know, say you want to design a staircase, do you go around measuring people's legs, or do you buy the standard that tells you, based off research and ergonomics already, what the going and treads should be for a staircase? And yeah, you know, the point is they're meant to be more convenient than doing the work yourself. Exactly, and they they will have proven to be reliable. That's why you use them, right? So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm on board with that. I specifically like convergence, um, and word, and and it? dislike it. I like it because it's true, as in you're talking about the digital model. By the way, I don't mean a static 3D model. I mean the model, as in the whole thing, the entity. The digital model and the physical model, as in the real thing, the physical thing mm. and the the digital thing coming together and that like you say it doesn't really specify what that means specifically it kind of has a level of abstraction which i like but that's another reason that I, that's the reason i don't like it because it's not saying that it's you know facilitating it's not a way you would describe it to people who didn't know what they were but it is accurate it's you know it's 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 lost ease of reading and communication with regular human people for the benefit of it being accurate so i you know i'm ambivalent like i am with most things so i'm, I'm, right I'm getting close tonight so one question dan obviously i've not read it so i don't know the one mistake i think it would make is if it starts telling people how to deliver them to add value to their projects because i don't think we're at that point yet so does it actually go that far or is it more kind of like overarching concepts and definitions overarching concept and definitions is where it's at um so and this is uh, this is a really that's always positive it, it is and there's I, i've drawn a graph somewhere and i will i will provide the graph to you later for the show notes ooh, um ooh. if we if we do show notes yeah we'll um, do show notes. But, but basically in in my world you can split standards almost into three three stages of the innovation cycle where you've got that early stage which is actually where you're trying to bring stakeholders together and that's where you need to write vocab and terms and definitions and high level concepts. 
and then and what you're doing you're getting people to agree what the thing is later on then you get to the point where you can start to agree the rules go through concepts and um specifications code of practices you can start to get to that value project bit you're talking about and then later on you hit business as usual where that's where you start to write guidance and that sort of stuff and you can look at the bim journey as sort of doing that where everyone started with you know what the chat is bim then we wrote a bunch of rules and how it works and now we're in that kind of lima guidancey sort of space um as a rough kind of telemetry of the way the thing's gotten and yeah and autodesk's definition from their article yesterday that needs thrown under the bus which i think we can happily throw under the bus on this podcast of their 10 10d industry nightmare that they oh not the dimensions yesterday. again i felt like i said in my bim plus article i fundamentally refuse to believe that money is a <laughs> fundamental dimension of the universe i and that just it just grinds my scientific gears well, oh hi it, neil hi <laughs> Uh, well, I, 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 um, Ian and I wrote a book that's yet to come out, but in that book we tackle the same subject and essentially come to the same conclusion that the the XD dimension marketing mechanism of that stuff is unhelpful, confuses things, and actually provides um, unhelpful clarification to the market to buy the appropriate outcome for the things that they need. So, as if you want more on that information, you can you can you can look forward to it. Buy the book. What's it going to be called? Neil's opening his volley, shilling his book. That's yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but no, um, it's only because it's only because Henry was doing the same. Henry's yes in that corner. I, I yeah, I am in that corner. I'm gonna yeah, hey buddy. Um, one of the things I did say, and this is where this article came from, was that information in a physics sense might be the fifth dimension, which kind of covers all of the other dimensions that are come up that have been developed in bim which is price time planning even you know the fourth dimension time planning security resilience sustain blah 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 all of these or we just don't please just don't yeah it's <laughs> not been proven it's not been proven so do i have a question to dan because uh, it's the, this is like i've had one of these weeks where it's been incredibly stressful because of all oh, that so we've got digital twins yeah we have information management we have data management yeah none of those i'm assuming i've not read the standard but i'm assuming it doesn't reconcile the difference between data and information management and actually from an information management perspective we've performed pretty well as an industry i'd say because i think the standards actually do a good job of setting up the protocols in which we transfer information meanwhile trying to set up the data protocols for managing a budget between two JV partners that have completely different data structures in their timesheet systems all the way through to billing the client. ISO 9650 is never going to fix that. Um, the, the digital twin of the organization that I'm trying to create from a data standards perspective is the, the a bigger nightmare. So is that is like one of my personal... Okay missions that i'm on is this opening up and bring and the bringing together of data and information management has to happen to make digital twins work it has to happen like we can't do it it's impossible to do it without it and how are we going to do that so we have a visual metaphor that you need to be aware of what you mean by digital twins but i have to head to the revolving door now um 
So you can answer that question, Dan, after the break. Thank you very much, no. Jonathan Monkley. Good to see you. Speak soon, guys. Love you. This podcast is proudly sponsored by the Navigating Major Programs podcast with Ricardo Costantino, which I think is elevating the conversation around infrastructure and major projects. He talks to leading experts around the world to get edifying insights on a range of topics from EDI to integrated project delivery and management to machine learning. Every episode systematically dismantles misconceptions with candid and real insights because Ricardo is himself an expert, and so are his guests. I really enjoyed the episode where special guest Jim Barnard, an expert in investment in major programs himself, turned the tables on Ricardo and asked him to explain the real benefits of collaborative contracts for public-private partnerships. Great episode, but there are loads of others, always with experts, always insightful. So, check out Navigating Major Programs, available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, me. Um, there we go. That is our sponsor for this uh, podcast with the ad read, beautifully read by yours truly, Dan. The question that was yeah, asked before right. the break, the one-minute break, because we've all forgotten what it was, was are these standards? How can I'll let, I'll let Neil ask it? But are they gonna? Are these? Are, can standards reconcile the difference between data and information management and digital twins? Eventually, yes, I think they can, and it probably comes down to how willing they are to to recognize the, the similarities between or where things have been done and reinvented beforehand. Mm. And I'll, I'll chuck a few examples out because these are, these are things I've pushed before. So I don't mind moaning about them. Um, the first is, it's slightly tangents, but I'll come back, which is procurement. Now there's a, there's a beautiful um, international standard ISO 22058, which is about construction procurement in the back end of it. It has a big process diagram of, the procurement life cycle, which is 90% similar to the stages in 19650. So you can sit there and say, look, with a small tweak of how 19650 is presented, you can actually map it onto the, the international construction procurement cycle. Mm. And you can sit there and actually reframe it slightly as a, as a procurement augment standard in a way of, because really all it talks about is a lot of tender documents and then it's about supply selection and you know it's very procurement focused in its process. So you can start to move that there. The flip side is you look at standards like ISO 8000 part one on data quality. It has uh, an interesting diagram within it, um, which shows the relationship of different data quality elements. And you can look at that and you can see, well, that one looks like it's really the master information delivery plan. That one is kind of like exchange requirements or exchange information requirements. And you can sit there and go, actually, the data quality framework can be used and probably 19650 resources can be mapped onto that. But the problem is it's been written by people who don't know each other. Mm. Um, there's an old standard, uh, I think it's ISO 11442. I'd have to double check that one on document management, which basically has the common data environment workflow from 2008. It's near identical, um, done as an ISO, but by the people who do document management. I'm looking at um, that now. So that is ISO 11442 is the technical product documentation, which sounds right. Yes, that is the one. Oh, I was right. Um, well and there is a diagram in that one, and you can see it has it has 
basically shared and published a, a fuse together in their version that has private space it has that kind of public space it has an archive system record process in there because it's just good document management and actually a lot of us have been swimming around the same spheres but it's very hard unless you're a standards wonk like i am who sits there and and reads lots of these random obscure ones to actually realize they exist in a way so discoverability is the biggest problem to then realize that there is good content relating to what you're trying to write um because if you're doing information management why would you look at the phrase data quality or construction procurement because if that's context it's not the subject of what you're talking about mm. and why would they do it the other way like why would they look at the bim standards if they're doing work on sector agnostic data quality frameworks but there's a lot to learn from each other yeah and i think the more that we can expose that the more we can bring these things together so is the answer then to i guess there's two directions this could be e going is basically one standard to rule them all effectively or bring them together into the appropriate place so maybe the oldest or the highest quality the most prevalent the most generalizable standard gets you know gets uh, aligns everybody or is it merely a you know which is quite hierarchical a quite a hierarchical mod model or would it would it be best collaborative where there's you know there's just sharing and alignment on you know taxonomy on the meaning of words and bringing all that sort of thing together how, how would we deal with that i mean i've i've always liked the idea personally of one world one standard mm. um in that way and actually as we move into the future and trying to make things machine interpretable and everything else do we have to move away from giving away pdfs or or should i say xml documents that have been formatted into pdfs as most of them are these days yeah and actually could you could you stick it into a you know a wiki data style platform or something then and actually you start to connect these subjects together but the problem will be that what do you do when there are standards that are on the same subject but done from the perspective of different audiences and who gets to take precedence in that space um yeah it'll be very difficult and the one i enjoy finding quite a lot is that the terms verification and validation mean something different to the quality community as they do to the it community yes so so who wins yes so oh i'm so glad you said that because i just had to google something <laughs> It's related to the point you just made. So uh, two things, right? So one is sort of culturally how standards are created. It's generally massive broad brush, but you would have some form of technical expert that goes through the ranks and works the way up to being some sort of senior leader from a standards perspective. So there's sort of the crystallization of a quite a small community's set of knowledge really because it's it's a function of time provided to, to to achieve it and then yeah someone i empathize with regularly in my mind is Anne camp and all the people that have been part of trying to um bring together orchestrate iso 9650 what have you like like getting everyone and countries to agree with all that sort of stuff like this difficult so you've got that sort of compromise and trade-off to eventually get a standard so a standard isn't a pure crystallization of the learning. It's the stuff that happens in between that sort of just, just sort of detaches it from practice. And there is a gap. And that's kind of why consultancies and advisors and what have you exist, right? Because 
it feels there's a gap to fill and you either employ your own people or get external people to do it so there's there's that dynamic on top of that and to your it framework so TOGAF and ITIL ITIL information technology infrastructure library service desk type related standards and things around services so there's standards for or frameworks for managing um, technical things like data or information management processes there's these things around structuring services which is idle and what have you and then there's things that sort of structure enterprise architecture like TOGAF I forget what TOGAF stands for it means the open group architecture framework there we go we all, we all know everything here so um, and those things are not perfectly implementable they all sort of are manifestations of this crystallization of the trade-offs that we have in putting these things together and, and, and i guess my point is to what henry was saying about oh can we just bring them all together is sort of yes and no yes and it would be great if there's a way of having a common thread for them but no in the context of where they come from and how they're updated and maintained because mm. they're in different industrial contexts so i think there's a, a sort of a um, I'm just thinking of sort of the the Apollo concept of the open body of knowledge. The Apollo There's protocol. a body of knowledge yeah. that needs to be wrapped around these things to help them. So it's not about having influence over them, but it's about that body of knowledge that wraps around them that will change them as they go along. And how do we do that? That's that's sort of what goes on in my head anyway. So yeah, that's like the. I think that's you know you know one of my observations uh, going through kind of construction environment projects into kind of the general research world is there are a lot of people <coughs> who want one standard to rule them all and you can actually end up spending a lot of time trying to develop that you know we're going to classify everything and we're just going to use one classification system and we're going to map them all together and we're going to create this perfect system before we start but oh we've just spent loads of money on that and the project people aren't happy and we didn't look at our specific project oh dear so you know it'd be great if we could have that, you know, if there was some, you know, uh, I ne I always think uh, it'd be hilarious. You know, Star Trek never has this uh, computer call um, Earth High Command. And it says, I'm sorry, they are using Apple devices and I am not compatible with that. Right. But that leads to the bit that I think is the opportunity, which is it's about connections. It's about those connections. That's why I think Bluetooth works. That's the standard I always come back to, because it doesn't tell you what's in it. It is the handshake. It is the communication protocol. It is the stuff that you can take off the table to go and do these things. And I think that's going to be the real area of most improvement by trying to align these things is how do they all connect? How do all these sectors connect? How do these standards connect? And have yeah. it create that awareness. But it goes back to that voluntary convenience bit as well so one of my mm. what a really good one is USB-C in a very similar sort of way yeah. is is a standard and whether you've watched what happened with some interesting eu uh reg law aspects um i think there's a requirement on and i'll have to double check it afterwards i think there's a requirement on new it devices in sold in europe to use USB-C as its charge port um which has resulted in apple now having to basically decide if it wants to sell you know, Apple devices in Europe to put USB-C charge points on them. So you've got a voluntary standard, which has then been cited in European legislation, 
which then impacted on the way the private firm have worked. But you can flip it around and say, well, they don't have to sell into Europe. You no. know, it's their it's their choice to sell into Europe, and that standard's been cited as the, the convenience to allow them to do that in a way. But you know, I could stick any charge point on anything. But I find it fantastic that my laptop, my phone, my my two different sets of wireless headphones, the gym one and my normal one, and my Nintendo Switch all use USB-C. Um, we'll ignore the voltage and whether everything gets a bit warm if I use my laptop charger on my phone. But you know, the connection is consistent and it adds that value. So I think I agree with you, Henry, that it helps connect things together. And of course, you know, as to Neil's point, cons the consultancy bit is needed because the standards don't give you the solution. They give you the parameters and the characteristics for a solution mm. uh, because be otherwise it's going to start dictating market activity and there needs to be fair competition in markets. You can't turn around and write a ladder standard that says, you know, only ladders from company X count as good ladders um, so that you have to have that, that freedom in there to inform what the choices are. And, and only while I'm thinking about it, when you started talking about that idea of constantly refining at the start of the project, the thing that immediately came to my mind was, um, if you ever watch Red Dwarf, Rimmer working on his revision timetable. Mm. That's all he does. Well, yeah, it was, it was a perfect timetable, but then he only had, what, 10 minutes left, I think, to revise. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I think that ladder standard is a, uh, you know, standardizing ladders is a good analogy because if then somebody tries to sell you a... Uh, a trampoline as a ladder um they wouldn't be able to do that and that's certainly been you know from the people i've spoken to around digital twins and data management and information management the thing they do want to know is is this a ladder is is this a ladder am i getting a digital twin or is this is this is this a trampoline or is this a golf club what, like what what is this because it's you know those are very discrete things that human beings can identify whereas a digital twin you know is an amalgamation of lots of things so you need you kind of need that protection almost. You're protecting the marketplace by coming up with definitions. Well, yeah, and yeah, and that boomerangs us back to the the international standard because that's what it's trying to do is try to set out, hey, this is what this standard is saying a digital twin is, and these are some of the key concepts or or principles that relate to what a good digital twin can look like. And you know, I will I will I will save this episode for talking about the fact they chose the abbreviation dtw for digital uh -huh. twin um but you know we get but the definition is fairly sound and hopefully it'll help move move the conversation forwards because then like you say oh. we can focus on what it is and interestingly talking to um people at the national digital twin program you know what they're interested in now is what are the standards, frameworks, and tools that support the principles they've set out for what a good digital twin looks like, and you know this idea it needs to be you know adaptable, resilient, secure, and those sorts of things. So, what are the standards that govern what does you know secure, interoperable, resilient look like? Mm. Um, so that someone can say, you know what, I want a digital twin, but I want it to be these things. So, please, can you? you know, conform to these standards to give me confidence that it has those characteristics and is also a digital twin. Bang in. 
I'm enjoying Neil's face there. Where yeah, I, that's why I, I didn't. I was just going to jump in, but I, I Neil had his. But then I saw about... you, and I was like, Henry's going to say something, so I'm not going to say something. So I, I was going to say in response to it, it's, it's interesting, is it when you that comes from the frame of suppliers not behaving right. The only reason that conversation exists is because in the marketplace it's not functioning properly. It's people turn up and don't provide what's required, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, I, you, I don't know, if, if you turned up and got given what they wanted, the the need for a standard wouldn't arise. Are we about to swing back to procurement? Are we swinging back to procurement again? Because we gave no, you no, exactly no, no, what you asked for, but it turns out what you asked for was the wrong thing. No, no, no. I just, I just, I just think it's interesting in 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 the sense of like yeah, the 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 famous BSI example of the railway gauges. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was load of manufacturers making gauges and they all made the like it's, it's sort of if i wonder in a hypothetical world if they accidentally all made the right size gauge yeah what would have happened to the rest of, of, of history if you get what i mean so the it's no, from I, the that sounds like there's, a there's, from there's, podcast waiting to be written so for example i uh, this might be a bit of a weird example it's only because it's on the top of my mind because it's a problem that i've just finished dealing with this week is um uh time booking on a project you know there are people that over overbook and underbook and it causes budget problems and it's a bit of a headache and because of the lag in the system you don't know there's an actual problem until it's basically too late once you've got invoicing cycles with the client with the information with the time that the information gets to you you're kind of stuffed you've had to book a over or under booking to the client and as you know with some clients overbooking's great or underbooking's bad and you know it's all it's all a bit weird anyway um from from my perspective and what i've been scratching my head over the past couple of days is well how do you instead of trying to make sort of behavioral mechanisms that are dealing with it when it's gone wrong how do you look at the problem at the front end so things are just booked correctly in the first place and what can you do about that so for my context i'm trying to pull together timesheet systems from different companies so it's it and they're all different and they all behave differently some are some are cor- some are corporations and have very strict requirements around timesheets and you get loads of data and it's all very neat and tidy through to companies that have complete relaxed systems anyone can book anything to any code anytime and you have one ticket so i just i just, i I guess it's more of the those like input behaviors is is instead of trying to police the middle bit, how do you police the the, the front end is in before procurement? And is is there a I don't know, it's more of like a thought experiment of how how would you have a standards regime that deals with it more proactively than having to go down this road of yeah, the only reason we know the standard exists because we've had loads of problems and it's more of how do you standardize against the problem not standardize against the practical solution that's Ooh. an interesting world it's about organic connections and the bluetooth thing right it's is there another way of looking at the implementation of standards that can help us be more proactive that's no, a really asking that very simple question <laughs> that's right it's it reminds me a little of uh because for whatever reason, it seems to be I always have to rewrite the history of BIM every two, three months for someone in BSI. Um, and what I, I ended up then rereading the bits in the 2010 uh, biz strategy 
where it talks interestingly about the idea of the push-pull elements in the strategy mm. itself. And it reminds me a bit of that, where you what they talked about was we've got to we got to do the push element, which is how do we make it easier effectively for the supply chain to do these things, and the push element was you know give people training, give people standards in the form of guidance so they know the direction they should be taking, and speak to the software vendors to make it more easy to do. And then the pull version was then, and then when you you know, procure projects, you tell them you've got to hit this benchmark. And so actually, so you end up with the two sides then of one, which is the proactive bit, which is look at all this training, all these resources and all this discovery you can do to, mm. to do your solutions better. And then the poll, which is, oh, and by the way, if you don't do it, you haven't got access to one third of public works, hypothetically, mm. because there's a mandate for it. And I think that it part of it is discovery and mindset because, you know, in theory, as a chartered architectural technologist, I could start my own architectural practice. And I'd sit there, and if I then started to think of, right, how am I going to set up a, um, you know, a timesheet system, you know, my head would really go, and I have a quick look, see if there are other standards on how you do timesheeting. Um, because mm. I'm swimming all this all the time. First thing I do is going to look for an industry good practice. And mm. I think the issue might be that when things are being set up, people set things up that work for them. They don't set things up that work for public good in that kind of mm. phraseology um, to, to actually get the benefits later. Um, and the slight weird left field version of this is drawing standards. Um, there's a beautiful national standard, the S8888, that covered almost all the rules for engineering drawing standards. And I had a really good conversation with someone once that it would actually reduce the amount of training time you give new staffers if it was taught in universities and it was the way that companies did things because instead of learning the arab way of drafting and then the acom way of drafting and then the atkins real way of drafting it was all the same process it meant you're already pre-taught when you left university and your utilization mm -hmm. becomes quicker faster in the business because you only had to learn about their timesheet system you've not had to learn how to do their you know line weights mm -hmm. and symbols and you, you made you made a good uh, point there in terms of I want to find out a standard for my timesheet system I go you know go onto the BSR website to look up timesheet it's almost the I could just imagine like a little chat bot in the corner of the BSI website that instead of Mr Clippy it's a little sort of cartoon Dan that goes oh I see that you're searching uh, standards for timesheet systems like maybe you mean you want to work out how you manage your information and actually there's these broader Sort of the, oh, have you also thought about yeah. the specificity of the standards and sometimes jumping into how I standardize my timesheet system that the timesheet system could be of been a standard that was set up by a lot of lawyers mm. um, um, and the information management standards have been set up by information managers in the built environment the document control one that you mentioned I imagine are document controllers from from where what industry Probably I not construction, maybe more manufacturing, maybe? It's, it's probably more manu yeah, that in a kind of manufacturing, engineering, drawing practice, kind of draftman kind of aspect. So there's, t there's um, two elements there's, there's, there's to this. Of, I want to kind of... Yeah, yeah go on. Go, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, one is, I would have thought, and I just did a quick check and I was right, ISO 9001, the classic, the quality management standards. Uh, just there it is. There, I suspect that would be it, but that doesn't tell you how to do it. Still doesn't tell you how to do it. 
but it does tell you how the process should look right which is interesting but then it also kind of brings on to and i'm going to keep banging on about this the muesli effect which is for micro companies for small companies that don't have the time um and maybe they do employ somebody every now and again or they subcontract or they do bring somebody on board these are decisions that cannot get do not deserve the sort of time that gets given to them in in either a large organization of 50,000 people or a large project slash program environment of 18 companies and 300,000 people you know um and so i think that's a really interesting thing i'd like to kind of tackle with this how is this going to help this approach so i'm kind of putting timesheets over there with digital twins how can having a standardized approach help micro and small organizations just get it right first time so my my favorite experience is uh a, a dear friend of mine i, I don't know if i name him or not because of the, the the story i'm about to tell but um you're you, you've met him before henry run uh, runs a very small um uh consultancy that essentially helps people through certification processes and helps with their audits and um when sort of bim first emerged as a thing that uh, he started to get his clients um ring him and then i say his clients these are like one or two man band type organizations around essex uh starting to get inquiries about oh i need to get my bim stuff sorted um and i came along to a couple of meetings and i say a couple there's about five and four out of the five of them they did ex- they all did exactly the same thing and i thought it was really interesting was we sat down sat down in this sort of office with like eight libra arch files everywhere and the conversation was basically like, oh, like BIM's this new lever arch file that I need to have next to my self and safety file, my um, ISO, da, 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 da. So these are business management systems that are deployed in lever arch files on a shelf. They're not like on a intranet or on someone's mm-hmm. computer. They're, they're all of them. And this wasn't that long ago. You know, lever arch file things, right? Then when the order comes in, I get my, oh, you're auditing. ISO 9001, okay, here's my ISO 9001 LibreArch file that my, um, I want, and he wanted his BIM one, he goes, I want my BIM LibreArch file. Um, I'm hoping it's gone a fur- bit further than that, but, you know, it's, it's, I think down in that part of the supply chain, it's, 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 you know, for me to get onto that framework, I need to tick these boxes, and what is the bare minimum that I can do to tick that box? Because I just want to, these people just want to focus on doing a good job. They don't necessarily worry so much about the bureaucracy, but they there's some necessity for it because the supply chain sometimes de- demands it. Yeah, and it, it is a problem. It creates so much waste. Mm. It, it does. And you think of how multi-talented these people have to be as well, because, you know, that the... The, the, in those smaller businesses, the person responsible for probably bringing big clients in is also the person who does the timesheets, is also the person who probably does the permits for the building, is also the person who looks after the insurance. So it's how do you make it easier for them? And we've started playing with using things like large language models for standards. Uh, I know we haven't got the time to talk through it properly, but the problem we're trying to look at internally is how do you stop the hallucinations and part of it and how do you put a confidence factor on it so it can actually say, I don't know? Because it's very good at giving an answer, which could be a wrong answer. But how do you get it to come back and say, you know what, you've asked that question. I don't have enough information to answer that. And that's 
probably the exciting place to get to is when you can make sure that it only gives that confident answers. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. And yeah, I think that's it's really touching on some important things, all of that, because ultimately, you know, as you know, I'm investigating this for construction apprenticeships, you know, why aren't micro companies taking on people and they're very busy with things and they often don't see, they only see the Libra Arch file and they might not see the value. So there is a, a, a need for standards to create this, you know, this common practice, but they're often quite opaque. So you do need somebody to help you translate into the real world. And that can be done in a way that does improve how they operate. It does improve their business. And often they're seen as separate things. And I think that's it's connection again. We're back to connection. How do we connect this standard that we know is valuable, whether it's on quality management, whether it's on digital twins, whether it's on information management to your practice? How do we make that work? And that is, like you say, it's the work of a consultant or it's their work and they will just have to take the time because, you know, you want people who who, um, won't uh, kill themselves or other people on construction sites. Fundamentally, you don't want people to die. So there is a need there, you know, always going back to that sort of standard where it's, it's really, it's, there's a clear benefit to doing this. There's loads of clear benefits to these uh, other standards. We might need to rebrand to the DTWFC, the Digital Twin Fan Club, uh, as a result of this standard, for example. And maybe that's a, uh, maybe that's a small price to pay. So let's not kill each other on site. Let's not kill ourselves. Let's not kill the public. Uh, you know, I mean, it always comes down to that because that's one everybody can relate to. If your business is, is killing people, that's bad. Don't do that. And it turns out that a lot of those things have been, been solved. And in the same way, if you're mis-selling products, that's bad. Don't do that. We have a standardized way of doing that. So I think that's going to be my, my, my summary. Do you have any, any parting words, y'all, on uh, either um, time management uh, time booking or digital twin standards. I mean, one one very quick one from me will be, and it probably reflects on Neil's point from earlier. Um, there's an old saying which was, "Every sign tells a story." So when you see, you know, do not do not lick electric fence, you, you know someone's licked that fence. <laughs> and I'm wondering actually, maybe I should start saying, "Every standard tells a story," mm. because in theory, it's come from a need. Um, in that way but i think it's it's a very good point that i'm gonna think some more on cool awesome do not lick that digital twin is that the podcast title i think it might be neil any last thoughts from you no aren't we lucky that we got dan aren't we thank you dan thanks for coming Dan Rossiter from the British Standards Institution, everybody, and Neil Thompson from Atkins Realis, and myself, Henry Femby-Taylor from Athenophilia. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Ciao.